0: of of others. Um, But when a person's life underscores the message of Scripture, you have a profound picture of what a transformed life looks like. That's what we see the Apostle Paul doing in the book of Galatians. Usually when we read the Apostle Paul, we see that he has uh, very carefully reasoned thought uh, very logical progression of uh, things that he wants to relate to his readers. But in Galatians, he is giving a personal testimony of the power of God at work in his life. And the Holy Spirit uh, chose to recognize that as scripture, it was inspired by God. So, uh, in this section that we're going to be reading here, Uh, We're we're going to see that there is the that the intersection. There is an interweaving of scripture and uh, a a personal testimony. So uh, let's go to Galatians chapter one. If you want to follow in your pew Bible, it's on page 972. And uh, by the way, while you're looking that up, if if you uh, so desire. Um, if you don't have a Bible of your own, feel free to take one of these. Uh, we, we have uh, more on the shelf somewhere, so um, please take it with our compliments. So let's read from Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 24. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, "'was pleased to reveal his son to me "'in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, "'I did not immediately consult with anyone, "'nor did I go up to Jerusalem "'to those who were apostles before me, "'but I went away into Arabia "'and returned again to Damascus. "'Then after three years, "'I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas "'and remained with him 15 days. "'But I saw none of the other apostles "'except James, the Lord's brother.'" And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. And then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. The only, they only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. What does a transformed life look like? There are several several identifying characteristics, but I want to look briefly at only three. Number one, it's obvious to others that you have been overwhelmed with grace. How does God save us? Well, certainly not in a way that we would have invented for ourselves. He does it. Through grace. Grace flies in the face of all the other ways to be saved that we as humans have invented for ourselves. So, I, I want to briefly compare the message of the gospel with um, the message of two other great religions in, in the world that, that are connected with the Bible. Uh, that would be Judaism and, and Islam. Uh, as we know, uh, Judaism accepts the Old Testament as scripture and um, Christianity, of course, accepts both the old and the new. And uh, Islam actually quotes from the Bible uh, in the the Quran. So um, the, the very fact that these three religions disagree about what the Bible says makes one thing obvious, that it is possible to misread the Bible. The Christian gospel is saying to us all... Don't, don't read the Bible as a message of legalism and moralism. Uh, you know how that goes. Just do better, try harder, and don't read the Bible as a message of, you know, you have to earn this. You have to d- deserve God's favor because Almighty God in heaven above is not going to bless you just out of the goodness of his heart. That's the gospel of man. But the Christian gospel says, God will bless you through Christ in spite of what you deserve, not because of what you deserve. And he does that through Christ, through the goodness of his heart. The Christian gospel is a message of grace. And it is grace that changes you, not your ability to change yourself. Of course, it's possible to use the Bible to build a religion that is man's gospel, a religion that depends totally upon works, totally upon your own righteousness. Uh, I found a couple of quotes, um, one from Jewish writings and one from Islamic writings. Uh, The first one is from the the Talmud. Uh, The the Talmud is uh, the book of law, civil law that the Jews uh, observe. So here's the quote. Just as the pitchfork turns over the grain from one place to another, so does the prayer of the righteous reverse the decisions of the Holy One, blessed be he, from the attribute of anger to the attribute of mercy. You see what the Talmud is saying here? It's our prayers that that change God's mind from anger to mercy. Then there's this quote from the Quran God loves those who do good. God does not love evildoers. He will give his grace to everyone who has merit. (laughs) So, according to the Quran, we earn grace from God. See, this is the gospel of of man. We do something to earn God's favor, We, we do something to change God's heart so that he looks upon us. So uh, you know we all tend to resort to that way of thinking. Uh, We somehow live in this universe of crime and punishment where uh, God gives everyone exactly what they deserve, but that's not the gospel of God, that's not grace. The world religions differ in a number of ways. But what they share in common is this pay-as-you-go plan, uh, to make God be nice to us. That's man's gospel. We deeply feel that we have to do something to get God's attention, that it all originates with us. But that's not the gospel of God. The gospel of God is that in his grace, he came to us when we weren't looking for him. Is out of the goodness of his heart. He is the good shepherd. The good shepherd has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And um, Galatians 1 verse 15, uh, Paul says, When he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. You see what he's saying? He wasn't looking for Christ. I mean, he was looking for his followers uh, so that he could arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem and put them on trial and imprison them or perhaps even uh, execute them for uh, abandoning the, the, the faith. But what we get from the scripture that we're seeing here is that if we could be justified by the law, then. Christ didn't need to come, and he certainly didn't need to die. The gospel of God tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. The gospel of man tells us that we are saved by good works or by our own righteousness. And Paul is saying that he was really good at man's gospel. He was tremendously successful. He was at the top of his game. And he was sure of himself and in no mood to change. So why then did he come to Jesus? It's because God came to him through Christ. And in uh, this verse uh, that, that we just read, he said, by his grace he was pleased to reveal his son to me. He's overwhelmed with grace. We don't do anything to deserve God's grace. He just gives it to us through Christ. We don't do something to earn it or to qualify for it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So grace is what saves us, and grace is what changes us. Grace not only provides salvation for us, Grace also is at work in us to make us more Christ-like, to become more like him. Grace changes a, a person. And if God has changed you through his grace, it will become obvious to all. So that's the first characteristic of a life transformed by the gospel. Here's the second one, is that you spend time alone with God. After Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, He tells us that he didn't spend time with with anyone. Instead, he went out to the desert alone, Uh, but during that time, the Lord worked powerfully, profoundly in his life. Before we go on, though, uh, I want to emphasize not only do you need to spend time alone with God, but need to spend time with God with other people because we live out our faith in community, we don't live out our faith in isolation. You know, Paul was in the desert for a, a period of time, for about three and a half years, uh, but he didn't stay an ascetic. He didn't stay, you know, out in the the desert. When he had spent time alone with the Lord, he came back and he was prepared uh, to go to the the, the Gentiles. But. While we're talking about the, the the need to spend time alone with God, there's there's a, a couple of things I, I want to say to to us, and not you, but 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 to us. Um, you can't piggyback on someone else's faith. Sometimes we think if we get together with some other excited believers, and they're all pumped, maybe that'll spill over into my life too. But you, you may have been you know, affected by that to a degree, but the, uh, the the message hasn't really penetrated yet. So, what I'm saying is, it, it's not enough just to hang around Christians, those who are enjoying uh, their, their, their life of grace. You need that for yourself. You need to go uh, to the source and not just Hope that something will rub off from you. So, if the gospel of Christ has penetrated your heart and your soul, you'll spend time with Him, time alone. That's the second characteristic someone's been transformed by the gospel. And now the third that is that uh, God works in and through you in surprising ways. You know, Paul's whole testimony could be summed up with one word Surprise! Uh, Let's get the context of what's going on when Paul meets Jesus, or when Jesus confronts Paul might be a better way of saying it. As I alluded to earlier, Paul, he was known as Saul of Tarsus at that time, was on his way to Damascus because he heard there were some Jews there who had converted to Christianity. Uh, They had become followers of Christ, and that annoyed Paul to no end. It was an affront, uh, not just to him, but but to the the Jews as a whole, to uh, their nation, to their religion. And he was like, you know, one of the Texas Rangers who was going to go out there and get his man or men, women too, and uh, bring them back bound to Jerusalem. He was going to tie them up or handcuff them in some way. Uh, as these people were to be regarded as criminals. They they were dangerous. These were the same people, remember, who had crucified Jesus and uh, saw. Saul, or Paul as we know him, had also consented to the death of Stephen. Uh, When Scripture says he consented to his death, uh, it it was as though, you know, he was the presiding judge. Uh, Paul was a member of the the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the the Jews. So, he had that kind of power. So, we see Saul of Tarsus here. Um, We know him as Paul. He is like the sheriff. He's the CIA, he's the FBI, he's the prosecuting attorney, he's the judge, he's all of that. And so he's going after these Christians in Damascus. And then suddenly there's this bright light that comes out of heaven and Saul is astonished and so he he realizes it's God. And so he says, who are you, Lord? And then the thing that he hears next It's the biggest surprise that a Jew at the level that Solitarus was uh, what was in, here's what he heard. Uh, It is, I, Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What? You mean Jesus is God? This man whose followers I am going to bring back, bound to Jerusalem to have interrogated in prison and perhaps even executed you are God the one I have been worshiping all my life the one I have been seeking all my life and and when you showed up I didn't recognize it was you you are God what a surprise to discover that the true God was not the God that he was familiar with and uh Verse 16, we see that he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Surprise, surprise, another surprise. Okay, now think about what's going on in Saul's mind now as he's blinded by this light. He has met God and discovered that he is Jesus. And now he has discovered that he has been commissioned to go to the Gentiles, uh, those unclean people out there. Now, when we talk about unclean, that doesn't mean a whole lot in in uh, our culture. So let's substitute it with the word uncool. Okay, Saul is being sent out to uncool people. People who are not part of the inner circle. People that you would not want to associate with. Those are the people that he is being sent to go and preach to. You know, God works through in and through you in surprising ways. And he certainly did with Paul. And Paul testifies to it. And uh, you know something? God still works through his people in surprising ways. So let me ask you. Would any of you be able to say, hey, I'm one of those people who was surprised to find Jesus when I wasn't looking for him? I came to Eastern, I came to study biology or uh, speech-language pathology or music or, you know, business or, or something else. And all of a sudden somebody comes up to me and starts a conversation, develops a relationship with me, and bam, I'm confronted with Jesus. And I never expected to find him because I wasn't looking for him. You know, no one seeks Jesus. We don't seek the Lord any more than a speeding motorist seeks a highway patrolman. We seek to get away from the Lord. But the Lord, in his gracious mercy, sends his people to go introduce Jesus to them. And when they meet Jesus, the authentic Jesus, which the authentic God, which, you know, is what happened to to Paul, the point I want to make here is that when your message and your life line up, and your life message, you, the way you live your life, underscores the message that you bring, there is a degree of authenticity about that. Now, there's certainly a degree of authenticity about Saul of Tarsus when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And we don't have those kinds of experiences. This was a special case for Saul. But there's a principle here. When our lives match the message, our lives underscore, emphasize the message because people see it as authentic. They see the authentic God, the God that they didn't really ever seek after, but now there He is being presented to him, to them, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to represent Christ and His kingdom to people who weren't looking for Him. You know, Paul didn't make himself into a Christian. He was acted upon by God, not in a way that Paul would have chosen. And in telling his story to the Galatians, Paul fully expects them to arrive at this thought, uh, something like this. So, Paul, you're saying that your new life in Christ is a continual surprise as God is changing you and using you in ways that are contrary to your own expectations? Well, okay. Okay. You really are legit. You are the real deal. Now, you know that Paul really had to be convincing, not only with his arguments, not only what the Lord had revealed to him that he could testify to, but the character of his life. He had not conferred with the other apostles. He had not been to Jerusalem. He didn't have the endorsement of the uh, official movement or the mother church at Jerusalem. He didn't have that. What he had was the reality of a life transformed by an outpouring of God's grace upon him. And all those who were associated with the apostles could recognize that Paul's faith, that his life was just as legitimate as that of the other apostles. It teaches us something. When our lives are authentic people who may be skeptical can be convinced that the real God the risen Lord is alive and working in you transforming you. And so when others hear our message from our lips, and see us living it out in the flesh, they understand the gospel better. It's practical. They see it in, in, in the flesh. When people hear the authentic gospel, they see authentic Christians living, in, living it out, they will do what the people in Galatians 1 did. They glorified God because of you. This is what happens when the messenger embodies the message. Transform lives. Let's pray together. Lord, we gathered together this morning uh, to worship you in song, through testimony, uh, through confession, uh, through your word And sometimes, for some of us, perhaps many of us, maybe even most of us, we come to church not really expecting anything to happen. Uh, We participate, uh, we observe, and uh, we observe you from a, a distance. Perhaps you're not a God who is just out there somewhere for someone. Perhaps there is someone who is being confronted by you, you maybe for the very first time. We pray that that would be so. Uh, We pray also that when we are sent forth from this place uh, to... Our parts of the world, uh, even though we're in a pretty small community by comparison to others, uh, such diversity uh, with people from not only uh, all over this state, this region, this country, but uh, all over the world, Uh, people who aren't looking for you, but people who will be confronted by you through your people us whom you have called to represent you thank you for this wonderful privilege work through us and in us we pray through christ our lord amen